And so uh, with that, we'll jump right into the uh, passage where um, in John chapter 11, where, where Jesus highlights, uh, demonstrates that it's, uh, it is uh, never over. Um, in him. So John chapter 11, starting with verse 1, it's uh, page 873 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen or whatever form you want uh, your the scriptures is. Let's, uh, for you, let's, let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your written word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit um, alive within us. And now we ask that uh, you would indeed um, lead us and guide us to your truth. That you would fill us up. But you'd fill us up for your glory. Uh, that, uh, that we would proclaim the beautiful name of Jesus for your glory. And that you would... Speak to us, lead us, direct us. Showing us, Lord, maybe where we've said something is dead, that you'll make it alive. Lord, we don't want to just hear your word and just say, oh, isn't that a good truth? Isn't that nice? We want to hear your word so that it changes us for your glory, deepen our faith whether it makes us comfortable or not, whether it makes us shout or whether it makes us cower, we want to hear your word, your truth. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, John, chapter 11, starting with verse um, 1. Here, uh, and we'll, we'll go through uh, verse 27, then we'll jump to verse 38 uh, through 44, which I think captures the essence of these events um, in, in Jesus' life um, that really highlight that even death is not the end. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sister sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep... He'll be all right. Jesus, however, 
had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, "Uh, Let us go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, But I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's not over. Jesus is greater even than death. Now, and, and then the, the, the events demonstrate that. The events of this passage demonstrate that. Now, what I believe, what we believe, is we understand the Scriptures that this story is real and true. That it happened in real time and real space. That Lazarus really was dead four days. His heart had stopped. The blood wasn't flowing. And Jesus said, come out. And his heart started again. And the blood started flowing again. Now, the many, when they see stories like this, they, they want to make them into simply allegories or symbolic tales. You know, sort of like, you know, folk tales uh, like John Henry or John Bunyan, you know, or Paul Bunyan. Um, these, there are nice stories that have some history, but then not. Um, but they're really there as a symbolic folk tale. 
No, we believe this really happened. That, 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 that this is a miraculous sign showing Jesus more powerful than death. He wanted to be sure that Lazarus was dead. One of the most intriguing passages is here is after he said, we're told, yeah, he loved Lazarus, he loved Mary, he loved Martha, and he just heard that Lazarus was ill unto death, and so he waited two days before he headed out. He wanted it to be sure so that we would recognize that this power of the resurrection is not just a nice inspirational story. It's, it's not just something to, to help get us going in the, in, in the morning. That it is real and active and true in our lives in space and time. So that we will live lives of faith in Jesus that it, and it makes a difference in our actions and attitudes. The reality is that we are in Jesus who is the resurrection. And He does this miracle to tell us, so now you can live into that reality. Now whether, you, whether we live into it or not, Jesus is still the resurrection. Whether we live into it or not, He is still the life. This is good news. If you are in Christ, then you will never die. Or if you do die, Jesus says, you will live again. Look at verses 25 and 26. Again, probably the, the, um, uh, the, the pinnacle of, the, of this, these events, of, this, um, uh, of John's telling us this story. Verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Now you've got to wonder, all right, wait a minute, which is it? Am I going to die and then live? Or am I living in Jesus, therefore I'm never going to die? How exactly does this, this work? Well, it depends on if you die or not. If you die, then you know you'll live again. If you don't die, then you'll keep living forever. Well, how does that work? And can I sign up for the one that you don't die? Well, <clears throat> this really has to do with um, the end of time. Because what we believe is that um, in real time and space, just as Jesus is the power of the resurrection and that he was risen from the dead, we believe that one day he will return. And he will come in real time, in real space, and the whole world will know it. And what uh, um, uh, we, we understand that, at, uh, that before that time comes, people will die. And when they die, they will be, as we've been singing, reunited with Jesus, but it will be in a spiritual form, not in a bodily form. But Paul's clear that to, to live is Christ, but to die is gain, because we then are with Christ, but we are with Him in a spiritual form. Our body's still in the grave, or whatever it is, and, but we in our spirit are with Jesus. 
But on that day that he returns, what we're told, and again, Paul tells us this in his letter to the church in Thessalonica, that when Jesus returns, the whole world will know it, and when he comes, then those who are dead in Christ, they will be with him in spiritual form, and when he comes, then their bodies will be raised, and their spirits will be reunited with their bodies, and then in their glorified, eternal state forever to be with Jesus. So those that have died then will live fully in their glorified state. Those that are currently alive. For example, if Jesus were to come right now, which would be pretty cool, right? I mean, good timing since we're here. You know, that's good stuff. If he were to come right now, then what would happen is we would then be transformed in an instant into our glorified body and we would never die. That's the power of the resurrection of Jesus, that He is the resurrection and the life for all who are in Him. We are united in Him forever, whether we die or whether we don't die. That, that's why... Um, but, but, but you know, that, that truth, I mean, we can all affirm that and we can sing it and we can state it, but in the moment of death and grief and confusion, man, that's a hard one to, as Helen was sharing earlier, that's a hard one to live into. In the, in, in the moments of that, we can know it in our head, but it takes a long time for it to be, work its way down to our heart and into our lives. And, and we see that even here in this passage as well. It's why we have funerals and memorial services when people die. It's, it's, it's not for the dead. We don't do it for the dead. I mean, the dead, if they're in Jesus, man, they're good. They, they, they got a worship service, and I got news for you. They don't want to come back. I mean, they love you and all, and they look forward to you, and they'll see you again if you're in But they are with Jesus because His grandeur and beauty is greater than we can even imagine. So they're, they're, they're good. It's for us. Because we, we need one another. We need that reminder. We need all that we can get to remind us, know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I mean, look, even in, even in these events, the, the folks that are hanging around Jesus, I mean, they're with Him. They've seen stuff. I mean, they've seen you know, a, a sack lunch turned into a, a feast for thousands, right? They've seen all of that. And yet they, they too have a hard time getting a hold of this. I mean, think about uh, the disciples and Lazarus, right? What, what happens when, when they're, they're talking about, um, or, or Thomas, the disciple Thomas? You know, Jesus is like, no, we're going to Lazarus, and he's dead, he's going to be alive. And, and so what does uh, uh, Thomas say? Okay, let's all go. Let's go die with Jesus. Yeah, I mean, not a great statement of faith from one of the 12 disciples. Right? And, and, then, and then, but what about Martha? You know, so Martha goes to meet Jesus, has this interaction with Jesus, and, and Martha, she's got a good statement of faith. You know, I mean, that's where Jesus, you know, and Martha has some faith. You know, Jesus, if you'd been here, and, and even now, whatever you pray, you know, God, God will do. And then what does Jesus say? I am the resurrection and the life. You know, do you believe this, Martha? And Martha says, yes, I believe that you are the Messiah. You're the one sent from the Father. And then, but yet, just a little bit later, they get closer to the tomb. They're at the tomb. And what does Jesus say? Let's do this. You know, let, in good Home Depot fashion. You know, let's do this. Let's move that stone. 
And what does Martha say? It's been four days. He's going to stink. Even a great statement of faith at the tomb then evaporates. Because we are weak, frail, fickle humans. We are broken. It does not say in here, Jesus plus you is the resurrection. It does not say in here, Jesus plus your faith. It does not say Jesus plus my goodness. It says Jesus and Him alone. He is the resurrection. He is the life. And we are a fickle, broken, weak faith people who hang with Jesus. Just like Thomas. Just like Martha. In the midst of, of such confusion, and it's understandable, in the midst of such confusion, in the midst of such grief and pain and, and anger, in, in the, the midst of all of that, man, we're not going to be able to figure it out or act it out. We're just going to hold on to Jesus and let do what He says and know that He is the power of the resurrection. That is, that is, that is good news. It's not the amount of faith you can conjure up or the right theological statements that you can say or the correctness of your belief or your goodness. This is why we trust Him. This is why we praise Him. Because it is literally true. That doesn't stop us also from making symbolic, allegorical applications of the power of the resurrection. I mean, he is greater than, than death itself, and he, he is greater than any other power and strength. He is greater than any other struggle or challenge that we face. What are those struggles and challenges? What are the, the things in your own life where you need some resurrection power? He's, it's clear He is the resurrection and the life. But... But the, the challenging truth of this particular event that in order for resurrection to happen means there has to first be death. Now, unless There is no resurrection where there's not death. So what I'm wondering for us is, is what needs to die in your struggle, in your challenge, in your pain? What needs to die for that resurrection power of Jesus to be, to be real? And it has to be really dead, too. Man, like I said earlier, Jesus waited two days before he went back. And, and, and Jesus also, he, uh, um, he waited till um, uh, uh, Lazarus was dead four days before um, uh, resurrection. And, and um, one of the reasons that, that may have been the case was because there was a a teaching, an understanding of death in those days that, that the soul would hang around the body for three days. But on the fourth day, the soul was gone, and so he was really dead. So these events want to say, now these things have to really be dead. So what struggle, failure, challenge are you facing? 
in your own life that Jesus is greater than, Jesus is more powerful than, that you can be part, be resurrected from? Is it an addiction? An addiction to, to drugs or alcohol, pornography, money, to appearances? And what, what has control over you that is destroying you? If Jesus is greater than death, then he, he's, His power is greater than that power that has hold of you. But in order for that resurrection to occur, there has to first be death. You have to stop hiding or fighting or avoiding or running from whatever the issue is. And you've got to face it and die. You've got to let it go. Whatever it is, whatever appearances you're trying to keep, you've got to let it go. And you've got to admit it. Wholly, fully your own. Stop blaming others. Stop blaming the world. You've got to die to all those excuses. Die to yourself, to your fears, to your failure. Die to your dreams. Die to your plans. And simply live in the power of Jesus. Turn to Him and do what He says. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's forgiveness of others. Maybe it's forgiveness of yourself. You've got to die for that resurrection power to bring forgiveness. You've got to die to the idea that you're strong enough to make it happen. That you're good enough to just forgive on your own. I mean, there's, no, there's no question that Jesus calls us to forgive. You know, there's, no, no. He, he, at every turn, he says, forgive. Maybe you've got to die to the idea that somehow we humans are good enough. Or at least that particular human is good enough. You've got to die to the anger and the bitterness and the sadness that you're nursing in this, the vengeance that you desire to making him or her pay. You've got to die to those things if you want Jesus' resurrection power to lead you into the way of forgiveness. Maybe it's particularly in a unique relationship like your marriage needs resurrection power to be renewed. Jesus wants it to live. Just like I know He wants you to forgive. I know He wants that relationship to live. And it's radical stuff here. What do you have to die to, to make that relationship live again? How do you have to die to self, your own failures, your own fears, your die to blaming of the other, die to the pain and the grief and the loss of the evil that's been done to you? You've got to die to those unmet expectations that continue to dwell within you. You've got to die. They can't be your life. Matter of fact, they don't bring life. But you've got to die to them and let Jesus, the power of the resurrection, be your life. What are the struggles? What, what, what is that challenge for you where you, you gotta, something's got to die so that resurrection power can be there?
Now, some, some of you, none of that applies or nothing comes to mind. That's great. Praise the Lord, but just put that in the back of your mind because eventually it will. It will come. Um, some of you may know the name Millard Fuller. He was a law student at uh, University of Alabama Law School. This is decades ago. He's married, uh, brilliant, uh, wonderful, um, entrepreneurial mind. And he and a couple students had started this business on campus that was just making money hand over foot. And so here he was, a married law student and a millionaire all at the same time, you know, running this business. So pretty hectic life um, in uh, that time. And one day he came home after a full day and found a lot of the belongings of the home gone. Well, maybe he'd been robbed, you know, until he finds a note from his wife saying, I'm done. I'm gone. Doesn't know exactly where she went, doesn't? And this is before the day of cell phones and all that kind of stuff, so couldn't ping his phone, her phone to find out where she was or... He had to call family and friends and and took the full day just calling until somebody finally said, well, this is what happened. She got with her mom, and they're in New York. They just went to the city and just hanging out there for the weekend. So he gets on a plane, heads to New York, continues when he gets there, calling friends, find out what hotel, where are they, and he stakes out the hotel until she gets there. And as she's getting, she, he gets her, grabs her, says, we've got to talk, come on. And she's like, no, I'm going somewhere. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going with you. Let's get in the cab. They get in the cab. Uh, cabs are taxis, which were Uber before Uber. Just so you know what that is. Gets, gets in the yellow taxi and takes off and goes um, and just talk. Listen, I, I love you. I want, and she's just not hearing it. Not, and he's like, listen, I'm ready. I will do anything. I will give it all up. Matter of fact, I'm ready to die for you. He says, this is what we need to do. This is what I'm ready to do. Let's get back to Tuscaloosa. Let's do what Jesus says we need to do. Let's get all that we own. Let's sell it to the poor. And let's just be about us and Him. Now that's a man committed. And that's what he did. That's what they did. Sold it all. Sold the business. Sold everything they owned. Moved to a little farm that a guy named Clarence Jordan ran in America's Georgia called Koinonia Farms. And they lived there for years, working the farm and developing their relationship. Everything else died, but their relationship with one another, with Christ, and then with the community that was there. That's the kind of death that Jesus might call us to, whether it's in this, whether it's in the other struggles and challenges that we face following him. But finally, the, 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 Jesus says, oh, but here's the reason for this. Here is why that we believe in the power of the resurrection. Here's, here's why that, that Jesus acts in these ways, demonstrating his power of the resurrection. First and foremost, makes it clear in verse 4, it is for the glory of God. When he hears of the illness, he says, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
in, in every way that we live into the fullness of resurrection, resurrection power in that life, it is for the glory, the pleasure, the beauty of God to be demonstrated for all of creation to see. And the other, the other reason, he says um, in verse 15 and verse 42 in, in this, uh, these events, um, for your sake... Uh, Jesus telling his disciples, this is when his discussion with Thomas and all. He goes, for your sake, um, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. It's for the development of the belief, the deepening of the faith of God's people. He says the same thing when he's at the tomb in verse 42, when he's praying out loud, which actually was a more common way to pray in the first century. You didn't do a lot of silent prayer. Most of you prayed out loud. And so Jesus is praying out loud. And folks are hearing him, and, and he, he, he says, verse 42, I knew that you always hear me, and I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. It is for the very glory of God and for the deepening of our faith that he calls us, even in fear and confusion and loss and grief and pain and uncertainty and weakness and failure and sin, that He calls us in the power of His resurrection. This is our journey. This is our journey together to living into what is true, what is real, that Jesus is more powerful even than death. It's a community. It's Jesus' followers. He calls us, empowers us to live into that reality. That Jesus is the resurrection. And He is more powerful than death of every kind. That is our hope. That is our task. To live in His power so that He may be glorified and so that we and all around us might believe and deepen in faith and trust. Amen. Of the, the power of the resurrection to be real in real time and real space. And uh, it's, a, it's a real radical one. Because it's, um, uh, I probably would have worked it into the sermon, but the events of Friday, and sa- Friday night and Saturday in Charlottesville, Virginia, Another example of a place where we need, as a people, as a nation, as a Christian church in general, where we need resurrection power. Um, For those of you who don't know, in in Charlottesville, uh, there was a, um, a, a, a white supremacy rally on Friday night and Saturday. And there was a counter-protesters there as well. And as is the case these days, civil conversation eventually lost. And things got worse and worse and worse um, to where at one point um, uh, one uh, person um, took his car and slammed it into the crowd, um, injuring, um, uh, I think, 15 people and killing one. Um, and, and all of this, you know, obviously this is one incident, but it's not isolated. It's not like it just happened out of the blue. It is tied to deep evil. Both the notion um, of white supremacy and also the inability 
to disagree without leading to violence and even murder. And it's certainly uh, an illustration of, or not an illustration, uh, uh, the uh, uh, poking through for us all to see the racial division and evil oppression that is part of our land. It's part of our history. Since the beginning, it's part of our history. And we need Jesus' resurrection power. What needs to die here is is the, the notion of American exceptionalism. That somehow we've conquered our sin. That we've addressed. Now don't get me wrong, things have improved. Good steps have been taken. And that is to be affirmed. but not at the expense of naming the sin and confessing our complicity in it in some way whatsoever. Now, that's not to say that any of us would have gone to a rally on white supremacy or that we even hold to those beliefs, but we are part of a land where that has been part of our history since the beginning. Racial oppression and inequality are real, have been real since the beginning, and we've got to die to the notion that somehow we've gotten over it or that it's not real today. I mean, just as I was born in sin and you were born in sin, so too every nation was born in sin. And we are no different. So we've got to die to those things that make us want to hide that or sweep that under the rug. Say, well, that was then. That's not me. That... No, we've got to say, no. This is us. And what we need is Jesus' salvation power at work in me, in you, in us, and in the world. His resurrection. So that we might truly be united in Him no matter our differences. And an example to the world even leading the world in the ways of confession, in the ways of humility, in the ways of love. We need that resurrection power.